the book of Mark, chapter number 5, Mark, chapter number 5 this morning, and we've already had a wonderful time in church, the Sunday school hour and uh, the music this morning, but we look for the preaching of the Word of God in Mark, chapter number 5, and I'm going to read the first 20 uh, verses this morning, so I do want you to follow along with me. Uh, I will read quickly if you will listen quickly, and uh, we'll look for what God has for us this morning out of Mark, chapter number 5 beginning with verse number 1. And the Bible says, And they came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces." Neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. And he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swan. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. I'm going to switch to this microphone here. Uh, this morning we're going to look at the first 20 uh, verses, and obviously uh, if you are familiar with the Scripture, and certainly this passage of Scripture, uh, you understand uh, about, a little bit about the maniac of Gadara, as he is often referred to. But this morning, I want to look at this passage of Scripture from this standpoint, and this is the title of my message today, When the Maniac Met the Master. When the Maniac Met the Master. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray this morning that you would use your word in our life. I pray that the Spirit of God would be real, he would be evident, and Father, may we yield ourselves uh, to him today. Father, I pray once again if there's someone lost without Christ today, may they realize their need of salvation. May they realize their hope is in Jesus, and may they call on Him today. 
And Father, for the child of God, may we uh, take the truths that are presented today. May we incorporate them into our lives. May we live by them. May we be convicted where we need to be convicted. May we be compelled to do more in our service for Thee. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look at the chapter, uh, the book of Mark, chapter number 5, we uh, get a little bit of context here as Jesus is uh, going about in His ministry. He has His disciples with Him. And verse number 1 tells us they go to the country of the Gadarenes, and they went across the sea. Uh, to the east side of the Sea of Galilee was the, uh, the, the area known as Galilee. It's where uh, Cana was. It was where Nazareth was. It's where much of Christ's ministry was. The Gadarenes uh, was to the west side of the Sea of Galilee. And as we talk of the maniac of Gadara, uh, we know that he was from that area. Much like if you think of the uh, name Mary Magdalene, she was from uh, the, the, a certain area. That's how she was identified. This area of Gadara, the Gadarenes, uh, it was a pagan area. This was not uh, an area that was used to the Son of God. If you think in the ministry of our Lord, uh, much time his fame and what people had heard about him would go before him. And when he came into a city, he came into a town, the great throngs were there. This was not the case in this situation. Jesus went to an area to minister, no doubt, to reach this man because the, the, the Son of God has a purpose, and the reason why he came was to reach men. <clears throat> so he was there uh, to do his ministry, to do this miracle, but it was not an area that would have been used to seeing our Lord. And often, if you think of the scripture as it reminds us that there were times he went to the other side. He went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. That was the side that the pagans, if you would, lived. And such was the area uh, where this man lived. Uh, this, he was known... We've kind of given him the name of this maniac of Gadara. He was not in his right mind. Uh, this was not somebody who <clears throat> people would, uh, he, was, he was a novelty, if you will. He was a, 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 a legend, if you would, and certainly he was very real. The scripture tells us he lived in the tombs. Uh, he was a man who was greatly distressed. He could not be tamed by any man, but his, his life was going to change because the Lord Jesus was coming to his town. And my, what a lesson that we need to be reminded of there, that Christ is the hope of the world. Uh, there's a lot of places on this planet uh, where they're in great distress. And the, the people, we may not give them the name, the maniac of that area, but certainly they are distressed and they are in turmoil because of the life that they are living and the things that they have become involved in, in the oppression, uh, certainly uh, of the devil and his demons. And only Christ can set man free. And the church can't set a man free. Only Christ can set a man free. And we're reminded that when the master came, this maniac met the master. By way of outline this morning, I want to point out several things from these 20 verses of Scripture today. Number one, I want us to be reminded of his condition. We see in verse number five, and always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Now, obviously, as we see, he's living in the tombs. He had been put on the outside of society. Society had cast him out, certainly, because of the way he conducted himself. And friend, when you find yourself living among the dead, that's not a good place for you to be. 
we find him living in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. This was someone who was in great anguish. This was someone who was in great torment. And certainly, we understand why he was being tormented because the scripture tells us that he had been possessed with these devils. Two words in chapter number and verse number five that certainly speak to my heart, and I hope that it will get our attention today, is the first two words of verse number five, and always. He never had a moment when he wasn't tormented. He never had a moment when he was not under the power and the control of these devils that possessed him. There was never a time when he was not in anguish and there wasn't a time when he was accepted by society and then went back. He had been shunned. He was given the name, the maniac, if you will, because of the way he acted. And I'm reminded of the torment he was under, and certainly we can make applications to the torment so many live under today. I, I'm speculating, of course, but I wonder if this man lived in our day, if he'd just be labeled as somebody who had mental health issues and been locked away and used all different kinds of remedies, if you will, to just make him not cause as many problems as he had before. And certainly we find his condition, and I find also in verse number 2, when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, the man with an unclean spirit. Verse number 3, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him. No, not with chains. Man's methods to control him did not work. Man's efforts to cure him could not work. I think of the chains that they put on him that couldn't hold him. How he was bound. No man could contain him. He was in this torment. And certainly we fast forward to the end of our story and no wonder they were in amazement when they heard what had taken place because man had tried to subdue him. Man had tried to contain him. Man had tried to bind him so that he couldn't harm others, but certainly so he couldn't harm himself. And nothing man could do could help him in his situation. How true that is of all of us when we met Jesus. We were in torment. We were oppressed. We were bound by our sins, and there was nothing no man could do for us. There was nothing no institution could do for us. But aren't you thankful that you met the master? And while man could not help you and man could not solve your problems, and friend, this morning, if you came in looking for a quote-unquote holy man to forgive you of your sins, there's not one here that can do that. There's not one down at the Catholic Church that can do that either because there's no man that can offer forgiveness of sins but for the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot forget the man's condition. I rejoice in the miracle. We're going to look a little bit more at that. But friend, before there's the miracle, there's a man who is in his condition that nobody could help him out of. We find number two, we find the change. Let me remind us what we know about this man. He needed a change in his life, didn't he? 
He couldn't just be given a book of, here's 12 steps to follow for freedom in your life. He couldn't just be put on a welfare program to give him a place to live so he could get out of the tombs. He had bigger issues than that. He was in torment. We know why he was because of the devils that resided in him. That, I want that to remind us of not only did this man need Jesus, but men still need Jesus. We see the change, and I want us to see this. This is a very important truth that I want us to see in verse number 6. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Verse number 6 tells us that he ran and worshipped him. But he wasn't changed yet. He was still in the same condition he had always been in. And I want to point out this morning that I believe it's one of the tragic things that have taken place in our day. And it's certainly not new to just this day we live in. But there's a lot of individuals who recognize who Jesus is. And they'll even worship Him. But they haven't been changed by Him. And there's a world that worships Jesus on holy days. And they worship the name of Jesus. But they've never been changed by Him. You say, Pastor, how can this be? They name the name of Jesus. They, they even worship Jesus. Well, I find here a man possessed of devils that also worship Jesus. And he was still possessed of devils. He still lived in the tombs at this point. He still was not in his right mind, but there was, they recognized the fact that this is the Son of God. This is Jesus, and even the devils worship the Son of God. Why do we think as man we've accomplished something that also the devils do? They acknowledge Jesus. They, they even worship him. This world thinks because we pay, pay lip service to the Son of God. And, and, and quite frankly, I think that He ought to be worshipped. And the day is going to come when every knee shall bow, and He will be worshipped. There are many who use the name of Christ, and they would even say that I worship Him, but they've not been changed by Him. Many will show up on quote-unquote holy days, and they'll worship They've not been changed, friend, this morning. Just as this man had to be changed from the inside out, you and I have to be changed from the inside out. In verse number 6, we find that he ran and worshipped Jesus. But no change yet. If we fast forward to verse number 15, and they come to Jesus. Who is this? Those that had watched those swine, those pigs that had plunged into the sea and those who they had gone and told what they had seen, they come to Jesus in verse 15 and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. We find him in verse number 6, runs to Jesus, worships him, but he still has no clothes on. He's still not in his right mind. 
He's still tormented, and he's still in anguish in spite of the fact that he's worshiping Jesus. He's acknowledging he's the Son of God. But in verse number 6, there's been no change. Between verse number 6 and verse number 15, there's a change that's taken place. And what astonishes all those who came to see Jesus was this man who lived in the tombs, who had, who had no clothes on, who wasn't part of society, cutting himself, crying out all through the day and night, sitting at the feet of Jesus as calm as could be in his right mind. What had happened between verse number 6 and verse number 15 is Jesus had changed him from the inside. We read the account in our text this morning of how Jesus called those, those demons out and cast them out of this man. And this man would never be the same. This man was sitting in his right mind. This man would be under complete control of himself. He had a change in his life. It's because it wasn't just because he worshiped the Lord. And there's so many today when you ask them, where are you going to spend eternity? They say, I believe in Jesus. I worship him. But friends, so did this maniac. So did these devils. There's got to be a change on the inside that changes us from out of our mind and out of control of ourselves and, and, and living, like quite frankly, as a pagan that lives amongst the dead to sitting at the feet of Jesus in our right mind. What had taken place? That change had come from the inside. The change came when Christ changed the inside. Why is it that we see... Would anybody, would they have been astonished? We see the scripture, don't we? And it says that they were afraid. Why were they afraid? Because this was, this was different. I remind you that they had tried to bind this man. They had tried to control him, and they could not do it. But now, he's not bound. He's clothed. He's in his right mind, sitting at the feet of of Jesus. He was changed from the inside and it changed his outside. Changed on the inside and now he was in his right mind. And friend, there's a lot of individuals today, quite frankly, who they recognize who Jesus is. They'll even worship him from time to time. Quite frankly, they leave and still living like a pagan. There's been no change in their life. Their mind still thinks like their mind always think, thought before. Their actions were the same, and they go back to living the way they did because they never had the change on the inside. Friend, this morning, we sit here today, hopefully in our right mind, and some I might have some sus suspect about that, but for the most part, we're in our right mind as it applies to the Scripture today. Why? Not because we conformed on the outside, not because we've even recognized just who Jesus is. That's certainly part of it, but it's because we've been changed on the inside. It's because we've allowed Him to change us on the inside, and this man goes through a change that only Christ could do. Man could bind Him, perhaps. They tried. They could not. They could not change the inside. I want us to see number three. We see the concern. Whenever Jesus goes about his work, there are always some who aren't quite as excited. 
as those who are recipient of his grace, of his power, of his change. Notice with me in verse number 16. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil. Now, pay attention to what the scripture is telling us. Those swine weren't just wandering around there by themselves. There were those watching them. That was their herd. That was their way of living. That was their uh, money, if you will. That was their, 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 their income. And so when those devils were cast out of this man and cast into these swine and they went and drowned in the sea, those that were there... They saw something happen they had never seen happen before. And they went and told other people. They came, and we already read in verse number 15, they came to Jesus. And then when they see Jesus, they see this maniac who had been living amongst the tombs, now sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in the right mind, and what did it do? It made them afraid. Then we saw in verse 16, and they that saw it told them how. Now, okay, what? They come and say, okay, explain to me what's going on. How does this man who cries all through the night, how is this man who lives in the tombs, how is he sitting here in his right mind? What happened? Now, those that watch, were watching this, why? I'm glad you asked. Because we've been trying to figure this out ourselves. Now, this is what happened. We were over here. This is what took place, and this is what happened. We saw it, and now notice this. Was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. It wasn't enough that this man who was in torment, they could do nothing about. It wasn't about his change. It wasn't about his life that had been restored. It wasn't about now he's sitting there in his right mind. Yes, that's obvious, but we also lost the swine. They're all dead now. They're gone. I don't know how we're going to pay the bills now. And notice in verse 17, And they began to pray him, not the man who was in his right mind, but Jesus, out of their coast. Leave us. What had happened? When Jesus began to do a work, he cast those devils into the swine, and those swine drowned in the sea. And it affected the people's bottom dollar. And instead of being concerned and rejoicing in the fact that this man who was in torment, this man who probably kept everybody in fear. At some point, they tried to bind him. At some point, they tried to chain him and, and, and keep him away from everyone, <clears throat> perhaps to, to, to not, so he wouldn't hurt himself, but certainly so he wouldn't hurt somebody else. They could not do that. And now he's sitting there clothed in his right mind. And what do they do? Jesus, you need to leave. You need to go. Because we can't afford too many more miracles around here. We can't, we can't, we can't, we don't, we don't understand this for sure, but you cost us something. You know, and before we were critical, certainly that is the world we live in today. We want to talk about Jesus and we want to invoke the name of Jesus until the work of Jesus cost us something. 
Oh, we want the name of Jesus to be where it is in our country, but we don't want it to cause us to get up early and have to do, do a little more praying. We don't want us, oh, we want to get back to, to Sunday being the Lord's Day, but we don't want to give up our football on Sunday for it to be the Lord's Day. Oh, we want, we want the name of Jesus to be on, be on the tongues and be on the lips of every man, but we don't want to go and do that. We don't want to sacrifice. We don't want to have to give more to missions. We don't want to have to, to give uh, more, of, more of our material. Uh, Jesus, why don't you just go to the other shore? Say, Pastor, that's, that, that's kind of harsh, though it's reality. It's reality. But why... There's, there's many who would say they want God to do a work in their life, but it would have to shake up your status quo. Oh, here, here, I just might as well. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, Lord, please bring revival to our nation. Oh, Lord, please help this nation to remember that it's just about you and you're the only hope we have. So maybe he causes a little political upheaval. Maybe in his omniscience, he knows all about a pandemic. I didn't say he caused it. He knows about it. Well, I wonder who's pulling the strings. He knows who's pulling the strings. And ultimately, it's Satan himself who's pulling the strings. But just perhaps we have a God who says, I want to answer your prayer, and I'm going to take the focus off of the White House. I'm going to take the focus off of a political revolution. And maybe we've got to get back on our knees, and we've got to look to the one place where the answer really does come. Maybe everybody's got to start looking to God again. But God, we didn't ask for that. We just wanted him to not be so loud at night when he was in the tombs and he was in turmoil and inconvenience in our life. But when he changed him, it cost those people something. Instead of rejoicing in the miracle, they said, Jesus, it's time for you to go. Friend, if God's going to do something in your life, it's going to change your status quo. Sometimes we pray for a prodigal, somebody who's away for God. But be careful. He'll do a work, but it might change your status quo as well. It might shake up your world as well. Oh, as a church, we can pray for revival in our city as we have and as we should. But for God to truly do a work, it affects everybody around that work. May we not respond as these people responded and said, Jesus, you, you've cost us something. And Jesus, now we've been inconvenienced. And Jesus, uh, now instead of, instead of rejoicing, and now here's a life who has been salvaged and a life who has been changed and a man who's now in his right mind and realizing that that's somebody's son, that that's somebody's family, that's somebody's friend. And if it cost us everything for God to do that, then so be it. That would be the perspective that we would hope that we have. But yet, I'm afraid in the life of a Christian, sometimes it's not that much different. I see number four. And this is my last challenge this morning. And I want you to continue to give me your mind this morning. In verse number, in, in number four, we find 
his calling. There's so many things, the powerful truths in this passage of Scripture. And I hope we've understand and, and reminded of his condition is not much different than our condition as a lost man. Man cannot help us. We find the change. But I want us to see number four in his calling. Look at me in verse number 18. Now let me ask you a question before I read verse 18. And of course, you don't have to answer it out loud. You know the answer to it. You think this man was happy? You think he was happier than he was? You think he knew he was different? After his change is in his right mind, in verse 17, we've already seen they begin to pray him to depart out of their coast. Jesus, it's time for you to go. Look at verse 18. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Well, Jesus, if you're going, I'm going too. Would you, let, would you let me come? Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Upon his salvation, he dedicated himself to Christ. I'm different now. Jesus, you did what no man could do. I would have died in those tombs. I would have died tormented. Quite frankly, he'd have died and gone to hell if he had died in his same condition. Jesus, if you're going, I want to go with you. That's probably the correct response for a man to have who'd been living amongst the dead. The maniac who cried constantly, who cut himself with stones, who was in continual torment. And Jesus cast those devils out and changed him from the inside out and now he sits in his right mind. He's not going back to the tombs anymore. He's changed. He's a new man. See, Pastor, what would you expect him to do after Jesus did all of those things for him? Well, friend, let's make a real easy application. We were lost in our sins. We couldn't save ourselves. Nobody else could save us. And if we died in our sins, we'd die and go to the same hell that maniac would have gone to. But yet the Lord Jesus Christ saved us through faith in his work on Calvary, why would we not want to go where he goes? Why would we not want to serve him? Why would we not be dedicated to him? This man was going to get on the boat with Jesus because of what Jesus had done, but now we can't get Christians to even go to the church house on Sunday after what Jesus has done. What did Jesus compel him to do? He said, no. You go... And tell your friends. Tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. And hath had compassion on thee. What did he do? He departed, began to publish in the capitalist how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. I imagine this man, and we don't know his name. But I imagine he had quite a testimony. 
amongst his friends. I imagine as you begin to tell, they, they, they would probably look at him in disbelief and I never thought I would ever talk to his, him again. I never thought I would see him again. In the scripture, it doesn't go into the, specific, the specifics here, but it says the men marveled when they heard the story. You have a hard time convincing me that there wasn't somebody he told that said, I'm going to put my trust in the same Jesus who did this for you. Because, see, he had a testimony that was undeniable. And, friend, let's make an application. When we've been saved and born again and trusted Christ as our Savior, there are people that are in our life that will listen to our testimony more than they'll even listen to the pastor's testimony. Because they've seen firsthand the change. They've seen firsthand the difference. This man was compelled to go tell his friends, and you know what he did? He went and he told them, but he also published. Everywhere he went, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you what he did. Who are you? You ever hear of that crazy guy that lived in the tombs? Yeah. I hear he is out of his mind. Oh, yeah, it was worse than that. He would cut himself. And men would come, come try and bind him. And I can just imagine as he's telling this story and people are listening, say, whatever happened to him? He'd say, you're talking to him. Well, how did that happen? One day there's a boat that came over the sea. There's a man named Jesus that got off that boat. When I saw him, there was those devils in me, and they recognized him too, and we acknowledged him in worship. But it wasn't until he changed me from the inside. And it changed me on the outside. Christian, there's a lot of challenges in this message this morning. But I want to leave you with the final one, as we just mentioned, with point number four. This man, as soon as Christ changed him, he said, you're mine. I'm yours. If you're going, I'm going. Then Jesus said, no, I don't want you to come with me. I want you to go because Jesus knew that there were others who needed to hear what Jesus could do for them. He said, you go tell them. This man was faithful to do what God compelled him to do. Could we have the obedience of a crazy man? We look, we look at this and say, oh, how sad of a story. How sad of a story. No, I look at it and say, what an amazing story. And let, let this if, this, if this convicts us this morning, then let's allow it to convict us. I wonder if the crazy man who lived in the tombs are going to be responsible for more people being in heaven 
the one who grew up in a good home and the one who grew up in a good church and the, the one who never saw their sin as bad as this man saw his sin and never saw themselves as lost as this man saw him lost and didn't feel compelled to give any loyalty to the one who saved him and didn't compel to, do it, to, be, to obey the commission that he gave. I wonder if the crazy man who lived in the tombs, who fulfilled what God sent him to do, will have a bigger impact on eternity than those that sit in the United States of America. And the hardest thing they've had is that which we call hardships in the freest nation on the planet. The calling. Well, if God saved me, if Jesus saved me from that, then I would be, you mean saving you from hell is not enough? But for the grace of God, that is us. I just, I find different ways of motivating myself. And I know he's not a crazy man now. But I just, I'm not letting no crazy man be more loyal to Christ than I am. Some of you look at me like, but Pastor, you are the crazy man. Well, I may be, but in a different way. Don't miss the truth this morning. When the maniac met the master, he'd never be the same. When you and I met the master... It changed us. It changed our story. May we have the same approach as this man did. Well, Jesus, if you're getting in that boat, I'm going with you. You changed me. You've given me hope. You've replaced my despair with hope. I don't want you to come with me. Why don't you go back and tell everybody that you know what Jesus did and what he could do for them. I can do that. Friend, quit looking at what you can't do for Christ. We can all do that. We can all publish what Jesus has done for us. Why don't we do that? This morning as we conclude our service, may I revisit very important truth. The man possessed of devils recognized Jesus and worshipped him. You can believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You can quote unquote worship him, but if you've never believed on him, you're no more saved than if you'd never worshipped him. Even the devil recognizes. Jesus is the Son of God. Just well, He's I, I, Jesus is, and I, and I serve Jesus, and I and, and I worship Him. You better have a time when you've believed through faith on Him. That's why there's more churches, quote unquote. I use that term loosely. More churches than have ever been. But I would submit to you, and I don't think I'll be challenged on this. This is the most wicked and evil our nation has ever been. And I believe it can be tied to that point right there. And by the way, this would apply to politicians as well. Well, we'll use the name of Jesus. Yep, you can use his name. You can believe he's the son of God. You can worship him. If you've never believed on him for salvation, there's no change.
There's no difference. If you're here this morning, you say, well, I believe Jesus is who he said he is. I'm here today because I want to worship him. Make sure you've had a time when you've believed on him. If you've never had such a time, today could be your day of salvation. Christian, are we going to obey? Are we going to do it, go to any length to serve and to show our gratitude for what Jesus has done for us? Father, I pray this morning that you'll use these truths.